I want to talk to you tonight about, about bathing. The title of the message is Dirty Feet. All of us as born-again Christians get dirty feet. Dirty feet. I'm going to start with John chapter 13, read the text first, and then make some comments about it. Hopefully the Lord will give us some insight and help, help us on our walk for Christ, build us up in the most holy faith. Father, we just pray in the name of Jesus that you'd come. Help us, O oh God, in, this, in the world we live, in the moment we live, help us to stand, having done all to stand, stand therefore, having on the full armor of God. Tonight, would you use this servant, because I am just your servant. I'm unworthy of the least of your favors. I have so few gifts, but Father, I know you don't need that. You can do it without it. We pray that your hand be upon the message. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 13, verse 4. Jesus Jesus has a few meetings that we get to go in with his disciples before the crucifixion. 13, chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and of course the high priestly prayer, 17, then, the cruci- then he's turned over to the crucifixion. But on that path to the cross, he loved his disciples. He loved them, he handpicked them. He'd been teaching with him, walking with him for over three and a half years. And he comes to him, and in chapter 13, the Bible says, He riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After he had poured water into a basin, he began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with a the towel wherewith he was girded. And coming to, he cometh to Simon Peter, that was the head, obviously. It's always Peter, James, and John, and the list of the inner circle, Peter, James, and John. And Peter said unto him, and this is so typical for Peter, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. And this is so typical of Peter. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Boy, Peter had to eat his words. I wonder how they tasted. Jesus answered and said, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. So when he said, Thou shalt never wash my feet, really what he was demonstrating is false humility. And Jesus said, Obedience is what you need, Peter. And he corrected him. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Then he went overboard, went extreme. Oh, don't just wash my feet, wash everything. He said, No. Jesus said unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean in every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. When he was firm to not all, he said, For he knew that who betray him, because Judas was there, therefore he said, Ye are not all clean. Verse 12, So after that he washed her feet, he had taken his garments and was set down, and said unto them, Know you what I have done? Unto you Now that he gives him the application, you call me master and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. That was a fact. That was a fact. If I then, your master and Lord, and have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. The way you have peace among a group of people is by having humility. 
You cannot have peace if you have a bunch of egos, a bunch of pride. Pride comes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. If you've got a bunch of egos, you're going to have infighting. You're going to have jealousies. You're going to have envying. You're going to have strife. You're just going to have it. The way you have peace in a, in a church is the people of God understand where they've come from. They've been dug out of a miry clay, out of a pit in a miry clay, and God saved them. And they're a sinner by the grace of God, saved by grace. And, and when an ego comes up, push it back down by the grace of God. He says, for I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. We should help each other. We should do acts of service for each other. We should be, one, we should be looking out for each other. We have, should have a spirit of, if you have a need, I'm here for you. If you have trouble, I, I can help you. I want to help you. For it says, verily, 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 and the old verily, verily, double verily is a big emphasis. Verily, verily, I say unto you, servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is a, he that is sent greater than he that sent him. So if Jesus did this, wow. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. So let me go back over there and point out a few things by the grace of God. What we see in this area of Jesus washing the disciples' feet is a very, very famous section of Scripture. This, this road has been trodden many times uh, by many preachers. There's about no preacher that I know of had preached on this subject numbers of times because it is one of the major sections of Scripture, the Jesus washing the disciples' feet. So we see the humiliation of Christ in this passage. In a degree, him humbling them, himself as their Lord and Master and Creator of all that he is. I'd have a hard time with him washing my feet. The master of all, the creator of the universe, washing my feet? What kind of love is this? It's overpowering, that kind of love, that kind of tenderness. Christ laid aside his garments more than just this time. He laid aside his garments to become man, God manifests in the flesh. And Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, through 6, 7, and 8 says, Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, who made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of man, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's, a, again, a well-traveled verse. There's two words there. Once in a while, the Greek, gives you insight into the English. It helps you. helps you understand it. And it does in this particular case. The word form there, who being in the form of God, that word deals with the inward nature. Jesus was God inwardly. He always was God inwardly. And what he did is in verse 8, and he being found in fashion as a man, that Greek word specifically deals with the outward fashion. Inwardly, he was God. Outwardly, he was man. When they looked upon Jesus, they thought he was just man. Only through the miracles and, the, and what he did and, and demonstrated them that they see sometimes they saw the tinge of, of God there. But really, Jesus, you can read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you can tell that Jesus really just appeared to be a normal guy. Uh, we know from 
Isaiah 53 that he was not handsome. He, there was nothing a look upon him that would, would be beautiful or would be attractive about Jesus. He, would be, he was a very average-looking, built individual. He blended in to where even the disciples struggled uh, with that whole deal of who he was. But that was him. He took up a soul. Not only did he lay his garments aside to wash their feet, he had, other t- he had laid his garments aside, the garments of glory, to take upon him the form of a servant made in the likeness of man. You talk about humbling himself to wash their feet. That was nothing compared to humbling himself to become man. God becoming man. What, what is called the incarnation. It's amazing. It's amazing. I think of the song, Out of the ivory palaces into a world of woe. Makes me, reminds me of another song. It says, Down from his glory, everlasting. Well, now I don't have the melody. I lost it. Everlasting story. My God and Savior came, and Jesus was his name. I don't want to sing anymore. I don't want to empty the room. Our Savior humbled himself more than what we can understand or know to save us. Think about it. Had he not been willing to humble himself, you could not be saved. But he cared about you to the place where he was willing to humble himself to the nth degree. Why would we not humble ourselves to each other? The first time somebody crosses you, Give them a break. The first time a Christian mistreats you, don't walk away from the local church. Don't walk away from the Lord Jesus. Don't walk away from the Bible. Give them a break. If Jesus came down from his glory to take upon the form of a servant so that he could die for our sins, man, I'm going to give his people some wiggle room. I decided a long time ago when I was a teenager, I was not going to let a human being alienate me away from God. God did nothing to alienate me. He's done everything to love me and to attract me and to pull me to himself. And some of his people, I'll agree, they're jerks. But can I make a confession? I've been a jerk myself. I've been a terrible jerk. I've been disgusted with myself. I don't even like myself at times. And how can I judge other people who struggle with the same thing I struggle with? We need to have a little humility one to another. I believe it's a key truth. Christ laid down his his garments for glory, take upon the Garments of humility, why will we not do it for one another? And I think we taught here we need to get first things first. That's one of the one of the things that this passage teaches. Proverbs 15, 33, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. It says it again in Proverbs 18, verse 12. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. And before honor, 
his humility. It's hard. It's hard when you're young around a bunch of old people like this. You know, they got more experience than you have. They got more wisdom than you have. They got more insight into things of the world than you have. And you're the young guy among them. When I came here, I was 28 years old among all those World War II boys. And they just knew more than I knew and had more wisdom than I had. And and, and they, they just knew the more Bible than I knew. And, and many of them knew God longer than I knew. And, and they walked with God and had, and it was, and your ego, your ego wants to kind of rise up on that. No. Humility comes before honor. It's that way in the military too, by the way. Humility comes before, you go to boot camp first. You go to boot camp. And in boot camp, their job is to humiliate you. My dad said he would, they made him wash their underwear and then they had to present their underwear to the, to this, to the drill sergeant. And if he didn't like what he saw, he'd take their underwear in front of the whole group and he'd drop it on the ground. He'd take his, his, take his foot in the dirt, do this to the underwear and say, now go wash them again, bring them back. And if you didn't do it, you got to peel potatoes for all the rest of the people. Humility. What they were trying to do is break your individualism so that you would operate as a group. And with each one of our egos going this way and going that way and going this way and going that way, you can't have a well-functioning church team to reach the lost for Christ. You need humble people. That their first desire is Christ and his will. That's what he was trying to teach his disciples here, by the way. Oh, it's so important, teenager, for you to get this. It's so important, young adult, for you to get this. Brother Boucher used to say to me when he turned 30, he says, I said, don't feel like you're going to get any honor because you're not, you know, you're only 30 years old. I said, there's not really among this group, you're not going to get a whole lot of honor at 30 years old. Then he turned 40 and he said, well, what about now? And I said, no, no, you're not old enough yet. Now, the other day, he talked to me, he's 50 now, and I said, now. Now you'll start getting a little bit of honor. Because at 50, you probably can take it without going to your head. You know what I mean? You become, begin to believe the accolades that people talk to you about. You don't believe all that stuff. One of the hardest things in life is to be patient. Whew. Do not exalt yourself. Let God do any exalting that's to be done in your life, let God do it. Proverbs 27, 2 says, Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth, a stranger, and not thine own lips. If Christ humbled himself before me, then I need to humble myself also. Christ used object lessons. That's one another thing this passage teaches. He used object lessons. Washing their feet was an object lesson. It's like what Miss Miley's used in junior church. It's what I once in a while use here, and other people from the pulpit use object lessons. He said, after he poured water in the basin, he began to wash the disciples' feet, wipe it with a towel that was girded. When people of that day especially walked with open sandals, I, don't, I, I, I think flip-flops are of the devil. Are you flip-flop lovers? You need to come down here and get right. <laughs> flip-flops are of the devil. More people catch that toe on that flip-flop and bust their head. And it's kind of got a self-punishing process of wearing flip-flops. 
I've known people break their head, break their nose, break their arm with flip-flops. They got them caught in a, oh, I love flip-flops, so stop. Well, these people were sandals, not flip-flops. They were sandals. They were attached to them, tied to their feet. Well, you know, walking in dirt and dust, and it was dry over there. It was fairly dry anyway. Their feet would be filthy. Their feet would get dirty. I know as a kid, my feet would just get dirty. How many in here, as a kid, your feet just get filthy dirty? Amen. I'm glad to see a bunch of you people. My feet got so my feet got were so dirty that I don't think they ever got clean till I got in my teens. I just used to think my feet were a different color than the rest of my body. I mean, my mother would get me in the tub. You know, that was after my oldest brother had been used the tub, and then after my middle brother used the tub, and I was the third one that got in the tub, and there was this black ring around it. I always ask about that. I'd get in that old used water, and my mother, she'd say, clean myself up, and I'd say, clean myself up. So she'd come in there, and she says, let me see your feet. Oh, oh, that's not good enough. And she'd take that, and she tried to rub the skin off of that. I said, that's a tan. That's tan. That's tan. No, that's dirt. She said, that's dirt. She'd try to rub the skin off her feet. These, these disciples, every day, walked in the dirt with, with the, their feet. It was, a, it was a tradition when you went into a house that people would have a basin of water and usually some people that would, would wash your feet there before you went in to the house. I know I go to some of your places and you want me to take my shoes off. Do you really? Have you ever smelled my feet? I went to a very wealthy home, very wealthy home. I mean, real wealthy. Had a theater room and just, just really just very affluent. And, and nobody in here. And so we went in to visit them and everything. And that, they had a theater room. And we wanted, he wanted to show us uh, something on the, on the theater there. And we all sat and had it. They were tiered. The room was tiered with seats down there. And they came up and, and we sat in there. And this guy took his shoes off. And Darla was, if you've known Darla, Darla McGee, not Darla, Darla Boucher, uh, she has a nose. She could smell a skunk up downwind. I mean, she could smell something. She's just the best nose I ever smelled. I mean, you can't hardly be around her. Darla just, she'd say, what is that I smell? What is that I smell? So she's up in this room with this guy, which were his guest, and she says, what? It? I smell feet. You know, she's really, I, I smell feet. And I'm looking at her going, the guy was right behind me. I smell feet. So you want to picture this washing of the feet thing as being all real nice and pristine and everything. It was nasty. It was nasty. These guys were in this feet. They were sweating and getting dry and sweating and getting dry and sweating and getting dry. And I don't know about you, but leather, after it gets wet with sweat and dry and sweat, that gets nasty, man, nasty. He humbled himself. He used object lessons. I believe we should have an attitude of being willing to humble ourselves for each other, as I mentioned earlier. Sometimes people, if you make them uncomfortable, they don't want to be around you anymore. That's not should not be our attitude. Well, I don't, so-and-so makes me uncomfortable. So-and-so, I don't like this a little bit, or 
you know, that all the time he snows. I, you know, I mean, man, we shouldn't be nitpicky like that. The preacher talks about sin. People don't want to come back. Makes me feel. I came into your church and I felt bad. I've had people come here and didn't come back. I visited them and said, why didn't you come back? And they said, well, you made me feel bad when I came. I don't like to feel bad. I said, if you don't feel bad, you're not going to feel good. Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Repentance doesn't feel good. Getting right with God is a matter of confessing your sins to him and at least agreeing with him that you're a sinner and agreeing with him about his verdict about you. And that is hurtful. That hurts our pride. It hurts our ego. It makes us feel bad. Sometimes the old good old-fashioned preaching it makes you feel bad. That's just like getting a good hot bath. And it can cleanse you and wash you. Peter's attitude of indignation. You're not going to wash my feet. That's the attitude I find with some people when you come into a Bible-believing, preaching church. You're not going to tell me about sin. You're not going to make me feel uncomfortable. Because it made Peter feel uncomfortable when Jesus was going to wash his feet. He said, he didn't like that feeling. He said, you're never going to wash my feet. I'm uncomfortable. That makes me uncomfortable. Brother, you've got to endure some being uncomfortable if you're going to be right with God. The Holy Spirit's going to make you uncomfortable. The Word of God's going to make you uncomfortable. It's the foolishness of preaching God chose to save them that believe. We need to join the crowd of fellow Christians that wonder what God is doing in our life. Just like Peter, he didn't know what he was doing, but we just got to trust him for what he's doing. I don't know why God does what he does. Man, trust me, I do not know why God does what he does, but I know he's good, and I trust what he does is going to eventually work together for good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. I'm just hanging out by faith just like you do. Why'd you have a flat tire come to the church? I don't know. Maybe God was going to preserve you from something that was going to be between here and there. When I have a problem, when I'm going on a trip or something, I never get mad at God and say, oh, I think, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for delaying me. Thank you for, thank you for maybe causing me to miss that accident that was up the way there or, or something else. Boy, don't, don't jump on God's motivation. He said to Peter, you don't know what I'm doing now, but you will later. And that's the way it's going to be with your life and my life. We don't know why God did what he did in our lives, but we trust him for what he did and how he did it and why he did it because he's good. And just trust God in that. Peter, just lay back. Let me do what I'm supposed to do. And later you're going to understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. Trust him for that. So Peter says, <laughs> Peter so when Jesus said that, Peter says, wash my whole body. Wash my whole body. The word interesting there, when he said in verse 8, he says, Peter said unto him, thou shalt never wash my feet. That means to partially wash. Partially wash your feet. The word itself to means to cleanse, but to, but to just partially cleanse. Jesus said in verse 10, he that is washed need not save to wash his feet. It uses two different Greek words. The first wash is take a full bath. The second wash is just to have part of your body washed. Think of what he's saying there. He says to Peter, you don't need, you don't need to get your whole body washed. Again. You're already clean. But let me just try to transliterate that to this. 
You've been saved by the blood of Christ and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been cleansed from your sins. The blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed you and washed you. But you walk in the world every day. And you sin. You get dirty. Your feet get dirty. And so the illustration is pretty simple. He tells Peter, look, you're clean, but your feet are dirty. Let me wash your feet. And I know the Bible says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? First John 1, 9. What is that? But a daily washing, a daily spiritual washing. I go to God on a regular basis and say, Lord God, one of my things when I, when I pray is I say, oh, Lord God, please forgive my sin, my iniquities, my trespasses, and those things which I have done that be displeasing in thy sight. I want to get my feet clean before I come into the house of God. I want to be right with God. Once bathed, always bathed. Once saved, always saved. God's bath lasts forever. But we need daily washing and daily cleaning from our daily troubles that we have. Provision for daily sin. Makes sense to me in Philippians 2.15 where it says that you may be blameless and harmless as sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation or nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. We need to have our daily sins forgiven so that we can be the kind of lights to these people that God wants us to be. I mean, as we were moving, we used to have pews over McKinney. For you people who love pews, we had them already. We had them over McKinney they were big, heavy, mammoth, white oak pews, massively heavy. I was the youngest guy. I was like Chris. I was the youngest guy, Chris and Thomas. I was asked to do all the lifting. I was in good shape at that time. And so they'd say, well, we want to move. These old guys say, we want to move the pews from here to here. And they would look at me and a few of the other younger guys. And I asked one time, I needed help. And I told Pastor McKinney. Now, back at that time, he was old. Pastor McKinney was 60, 61. And so... I said, Pastor McKinney, it's going to take both of us to move this pew. You've got to get on one end. I've got to get on her. And he says, man, that's a heavy bass. Ah. And he goes, oh, Brother Bill, I just started swearing. He said, the old bartender wanted to come out in me again. I said, yeah, preacher. He felt bad about it. I said, don't feel bad about it. It makes me encouraged. I said, preacher, it makes me encouraged that you have you have the kind of struggles that I have. And at 60, at, at the advanced age of 61 and 62 years old, you are still struggling with some of the junk that you fought with early on in life. And you'll struggle with that kind of stuff till Jesus takes you home. And the old man dies and stays in the dirt. And our new man goes to heaven. Then we won't worry about it. We won't have any of that kind of stuff. We won't have to get our daily washings and by confessing our sins. And he just... Pastor McKinney had such a tender heart about it. He said, oh, pre I, I shouldn't even be a preacher. I said, oh, no, 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 no. One thing I really loved about Pastor McKinney was his humanity, that he struggled with the same stuff that I struggled with, and it helped me to be encouraged. And what I'm trying to say and what I believe Jesus is saying here, we only need a daily sponge bath. We don't need a whole entire washing, a whole entire shower, a whole entire bath, as it were, if we just walk with him once we're saved. 
You say, do we get dirty? Yeah, some people we get dirty, man. We get dirty, but we can be cleaned by the grace of God by confessing our sins and walking with Him. Do you understand now the, day, the difference between being saved and being washed by, from all your sins and then your daily washings that Lord Jesus was demonstrating to His people? So He was teaching multi-levels of truth here. He was teaching the truth of humility, the truth of serving one another, the truth of partial, of being totally clean by his blood, yet being partially needed, needed to be daily clean through the confession and of sin to him, which, of course, also brings and needs humility. And God help us understand this as we think about you really only need to bathe once in life. But by the grace of God, he needs to clean us every day. Father, help us tonight. May your Holy Spirit come and the power of God come. Father, just uh, thank you for loving us, caring for us, putting up with us, giving us some wiggle room to be, to be flesh, to be flesh. And sometimes we don't walk in the Spirit the way we should and we don't fulfill the Spirit and we sin. Pray, God, that your people would daily, regularly come before thee and confess their sin. This simply means to agree with God that it's wrong. I tell people, you don't need to say any more than what God says about it. Call sin what God says. If it's adultery, call it adultery. If it's lying, call it lying. If it's stealing, call it stealing. Don't, don't sugarcoat it, but don't overkill it either. Just call it what God calls it. And God said, if you'll be willing to confess your sin, I'll be faithful and just to forgive, it, forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Help us, Lord Jesus. There could be some here tonight without Christ their Savior made a night. They've decided on him to put their faith in simple childlike faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done for them. The Bible says, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father which is in heaven. I believe you need to publicly confess you've trusted Christ. I believe you need to get baptized, not to be saved, but as part of your Christian life experience. If you've never been baptized, come see us about it. We'll set it up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com. Or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.